Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to 590 Baseball here on 590 The Fan. A Friday, a cool, sunny Friday afternoon. Playoff baseball being played outside of St. Louis. Bob Ramsey, Brian Hoffman, David Solomon in the house. We will talk about the American League Championship Series a little bit later on, but obviously a lot of talk about the Cardinals right now. Our starting five for today, and you can get in on the text line if you would like at 855-282-8255. Your five takeaways from this year's St. Louis Cardinal baseball season. We can A lot of these topics, Bob, you kind of hinted at before we were out in the hallway that uh, we'll be talking about these a lot. But Might as well get started. Yep, we definitely will. So... Uh, let, let's put a wrap on the playoffs. I, for me, I really enjoyed the series, the DS series with the Braves because I think there was a lot of a lot of changes. It was enjoyable. Obviously, when the Cardinals win, it makes it more fun for Cardinal fans, but there were a, a lot of interesting twists and turns. And it, I think it will also create a little bit of a rivalry with the Braves in the years to come with Acuna and see where that takes place. I think that's part of the fun of a of a, a playoff a playoff run. Seeing teams emerge and uh, those rivalries picking up. We all you know in the postseason we kind of had the thing with DC going back a few years. Yeah, and it kind of renewed. But I also like seeing the respect between the two teams. Same thing with the Braves. A little more intensity, perhaps, between those two clubs. But I think that stuff's really, really good. I think you're going to see this really boil over over the next couple of years because both teams, I think, are are well set up to face each other in October's to come. And I think yeah. you saw, especially with a, a Flaherty-Acuna dynamic, two, two people who are very competitive, who don't, maybe I'm reading too much, don't seem to like each other very much. And I think you're going to see a, a lot of fun between those two guys. He will get booed a lot when he comes to town, Acuna, in the in the future, Melina will get booed that, Atlanta, that, I'm sure. And I don't know how it will apply to the rest of the league. But the Juan Soto peculiarity yes. at, at bat with the stare out, I could see some teams kind of having fun with it. Opposition, I'm talking about. Having fun with it or not caring about it. And I could see an occasional pitcher or team not liking it at all. And that could be... Those kind of things can make what can often be dull, boring, four-and-a-half-hour games a little more interesting. I agree with that. I, after he and Michaelis had their little stare down, he knocked it off. Now, I don't know if part of that was, okay, he didn't like it, let's play baseball. Or maybe, maybe somebody in that his dugout said, hey, maybe you should tone it down a little bit. He wasn't. Now, he's still demonstrative at the plate. With his jumping around after a ball and, and mm-hmm. stare, but his crotch grab and all that kind of went away. He he didn't do that anymore. So maybe maybe a little learning experience. We'll see. But uh, as far as the series with the Nationals guys, it was just a beatdown. There is no way to look at it differently for me. Uh, Nationals are really good. 
The Nationals are very good. I think that was maybe my biggest takeaway, which is that records can be deceiving, and, and they're not a 93-win team. They are. They've since the beginning, actually, rather the middle of May, when they were rock bottom, 19 and 31, they've played at a, a win pace of 108 games, which and, is more than what Houston won this year. And I think we all we. We didn't realize it at the time, but it was fool's gold when they beat D.C. in September. Yes. I think they are a they're a much more well-rounded offense than what you faced against Atlanta, and I don't think you were prepared for that. I think with Atlanta, it was their big three, Acuna, Donaldson, Freeman. I think people went into the, the National Series thinking Rendon and, and Soto. Not that they're wrong, but there's also Eaton. There's Howie Kendrick, who I think might not be the most underrated player in baseball right now. At the moment, it's based on how he's played, really since being a national. He's been... the, the only reason I didn't underrate him, I happened to have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, you know, sometimes there's truth that, in that. that yeah. Sometimes that happens. And at one point, I dropped him and then had to re-pick him up. It looked like they were not going to play him as much. Zimmerman came back and all those things. But he just kept hitting. He just kept hitting, and they found a place for him, even though he can't catch the ball anymore at any position. But he hit so well, and which, if you want to tie that into one of the Cardinal veteran players in Martinez, Jose Martinez, and I keep reminding people when everybody was clamoring for him to get back into the lineup, it was like, what are you doing? Why isn't he there? He earned his way out of the lineup. Yes. You can't be that bad defensively and not produce with the bat. The only way you can play him in the field if he's producing, and by that, not hit, being a 260 hitter, being a 300 hitter with power, that's the only way you can carry an iron glove into the field. The only way. And while he was hitting in postseason, even though he, uh, he contributed to a loss by letting the ball drop, you can see, well, but he's the only one hitting, so you right. live with you, it. You have to, when yeah. he's not hitting, come on, you got to sit on the bench. Also, one of the takes from the series, or the playoffs, and it, it proved very true in both blowouts, the Cardinals' blowout win and the Cardinals' blowout loss, if you will. If you make mistakes in a playoff game and you make errors, you're done. You That's can't, the Yankees. Yeah. They, 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 a great point. Last night, they couldn't catch the ball to save their lives, and it cost them dearly. I mean, it. I don't care how good you are. If you're a team making those mistakes, you can't give anybody four or five outs. I think sometimes we we, we, we try to dive too much into what wins when it really matters. So in baseball, people try to look, hey, you need really great starting pitching. Right? No, no, you need really great relief pitching, or you need this kind of hitter, that kind of hitter. You just need to make contact. I think simplifying it just to the point of, Put the ball in play. The Astros, fewest strikeouts in baseball this year. The Red Sox, fifth fewest in baseball last year. The 2017 Astros, fewest strikeouts in baseball when, when they won their first World Series. What happened last night? What, what, what finally blew that game open? What started it? A Yankees air. Just put the ball. Strikeouts, the opposing team can't screw up a strikeout. They can screw up a ball in play. You're going to have to give up your Sabre card. Why? Uh-oh. Because strikeouts to hitters don't matter. I think they do. Ah, give up your car. Or at least you're going to be suspended. You're I'll, suspended. I'll, I'll be suspended <laughs> briefly because I'm going to bring my sabermetrics up later when we talk about players we should acquire. I like that. I like that. I like that, though. Okay. Short suspension. <laughs> there right. you go. It is 590 Baseball here on 590. The fan, Brian Hoffman, Bob Ramsey, Jim Heward, David Solomon here as well. So... That that's my general take on the Cardinals and the playoffs and some generalities. Did you guys have any generalities with this playoff run in the series before we get into some other things? I think just their weakness was exploited by probably the one team that could really do it. The Atlanta, as you saw against Fultonevich, he was capable of of using his off speed stuff to really give them issues, but he wasn't able to control it enough to really maximize it, like he was in game like in game five. Whereas Strasburg and Anibal Sanchez and Patrick Corbin. They're capable of doing it, and it showed. I agree with those points. Would the Cardinals have beaten the Braves had the Braves not kicked the ball around in the first inning of Game 5? I think so, because you did enough to score enough runs otherwise. They wouldn't have, I mean, it would have been closer, but I think you did enough to put some runs up. Probably. Probably, but I, I guess I was just tying that into what we were talking about, not playing clean. Yeah. And probably didn't get their starter soon enough, and... All those things, but 
the Braves certainly helped the Cardinals in that game, but that's how close the series was, right. and it supports what we're talking about. Play the cleanest, play the smartest, and in that high-level competition, you kind of have to do that to move on. While you had that record first inning, I still go back to Fowler creating the walk, mm-hmm. getting out of that. There was a strikeout missed. The Freeman air just blew everything open. Then you had the uh, the strike three, the missed strike three, reach base. You just can't continue to give out those. That's three chances. You're out of the inning, and things are completely different. At this level, mm-hmm. it, it any good team— You'll get exploited. Yep, and, and, and that is exactly what has happened uh, numerous times in these playoffs moving forward. So we roll forward here, and our starting five— Five takeaways from the Cardinals as we'll we'll get to the American League Championship Series here at the back end of the show because that game's coming up later on tonight. So we have a lot of things that we'll be able to talk about on this show between now and spring training and, and moves. But what about this particular year with this particular team? What did you take out of it that you learned? Maybe some of it we didn't know and some of it reassured what we thought we knew. Want me to go first? You can go first. I think my, my number one or number five is because I think it's the easiest one, and I'm guessing we're all going to have this or something related to this. You have your ace. You have your answer to Walker Bueller. You have your answer to Steven Strasburg or Max Scherzer. You have Jack Flaherty. So moving forward, next three, four, five, hopefully more years, that's what Chris Carpenter was. That's what Adam Wainwright was. If you put your best, we have our best, and we feel like we have enough to pitching, at least in that game. To get a win, I, I thought Flaherty, his ascent, his ability to adjust midseason was encouraging. Where he realized something was off, he decided he decided to attack hitters more with his stuff, and then I think that's when he gained the confidence that he was a top-notch mm-hmm. pitcher, and it showed. I think maybe he wore down a little bit late, but that's expected for a guy who's throwing more innings than ever. And I think that's that's something to be encouraged about for next year, where his arm has been tested, it's been stretched beyond its original limits, and now he can grow from there. I think Dakota Hudson was a, actually a similar instance, too, late. He was wearing down. Uh, my second one, you still haven't fixed the offense. And that's been your goal for the last two off-seasons now. And just to give an example, uh, 2018, the league average OPS was 728. The Cardinals were 730. So they were just a bit above average. Whereas from 18 to 19, OPS increased about um, about 7%, I believe, from 728 to 758. Whereas the actually no four um, percent seven uh, twenty eight to seven fifty eight. Whereas the Cardinals increased under one percent. So you went from seven thirty to seven thirty seven, and now suddenly because of the increase in offense throughout Major League Baseball, your OPS went from above average to below average, and that was not your goal. That wasn't your goal with the Goldschmidt acquisition. I don't think that was your goal with the new hitting approach. It just it didn't work this year, and now you got to figure out a way to fix it. I agree with that. The question I bring out of that is, is it personnel related in terms of what you have on the field? Is it your approach related? That's what they have to decide. And, but I'll ask you, what do you think it is? Because I, I, I think it's that is a it's great point. It's probably more player related because Carpenter had a terrible year. You received no production out of center field or very little production out of center field this year. Um, this will be a future one, but Paul DeYoung had a very difficult Final couple months, I think, due to fatigue. But so that's they're fixable. I think there are players out mm-hmm. on the market that could fix this issue. But you're still, I'm not sure you're guessing wrong, but you still have more work to do with some of these players. You have to replace one of the players now who you felt was going to fix your offense. I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious to see how you how you handle that. Uh, number three, and I'm so glad this happened. Colton Wong is an everyday second baseman officially, <laughs> and you. I know there is some flip flipping and flopping with the previous manager as to. Whether or not Colton deserves 500 at-bats a season, he deserves 500 at-bats a season. He had a very good offensive year. Uh, weighted runs created plus of, of 111, which was the same as Francisco Lindor of the Cleveland Indians. And defensively, he excelled again. I think up the middle of him and DeYoung is a very good double play combo. And I think you saw that, uh, that really succeed this year. I'm very happy that Colton Wong had the year that he had. He's the one guy. The one that consistently uh, embraced taking the ball the other way intentionally. Yeah, He's the one. And it's no coincidence that he was the one that produced more consistently than anyone else. 
there were a couple of small little gaps, maybe earlier in the season than late, where he started to get a little pull happy again, but then he pulled himself back, stayed within himself, used the field, whole field, hit it where it was pitched. And again, it's not a coincidence that he produced because of it. Uh, number two, this does pull into Paul DeYoung. You need a backup shortstop who you can trust Absolutely. to start once or twice every two or three weeks. And maybe that's Tommy Edmond. You just tell him, hey, you start working out at shortstop during this offseason because that's where we can find you at bats. But there's no doubt in my mind that he just he wore down at the end of the year. And Absolutely right. His bat looks slower. He even had a couple of defensive gaffes out in shortstop in September where I just think mm-hmm. mentally – he was drained. I think you asked too much of him this year. And I think a fresher De Young does make a difference in September and maybe even in October. I think that was just – I guess you got to try it to see what his limits are, and I think you reach them. He's one example of fear being a part of the Cardinals' management style. And I mean not just the manager, but up and down. Didn't trust anyone. You were afraid to play a game because you felt like you needed every game. Right. You were afraid to play a game with somebody else at short. And I get it. Nobody else was nearly as right. good. But what do you do? You know, that's why La Russa would often put a, a, a deficient lineup or a deficient player in there because he knew he had to. He knew he used to call it a doubleheader win. We might not win today, but we'll gain more by giving a certain guy or certain guys rests, we'll gain more down the road. And if we do win, it's like winning a doubleheader. That was his phrase. And we seem to be fearful of doing that often. I, I agree with that. I mean, he had guys, what, Gallegos and Aaron Miles. Those were his type of guys. They would play on those days and be like, what are we doing? What are you doing here? And that was always his narrative. That was, that's, that's very true in that. Uh, my number one takeaway is just I think you should maybe trust your – your ability to develop young pitchers to be relievers more so than trying to go outside the organization to acquire it. I think I'd just forgotten this and remember that Luke Gregerson is now, his contract will expire because he'll decline his option. Brett Cecil is working towards 2020, and I think if you rank the lefties in your pen, he'd be fourth. He'd be, behind, he'd be behind Tyler Webb, who you developed midseason. Andrew Miller, who was okay this year. Uh, Henesis Cabrera, who you acquired via a deal, who I think showed some promise late in the season yeah. of a hard-throwing lefty. And then, yeah, Brett Cecil fourth at the absolute best. You saw the ascension of, of Giovanni Gallegos, who you acquired in a deal, from, in a, in a deal with Luke, for, uh, Luke Voigt in New York, but he really improved as the season progressed. I think you saw Ryan Helsley really get show that maybe he has starting stuff late in the season, and at the worst-case scenario, it could be a shutdown reliever in your pen if yeah. you have five better starters. I think maybe you should trust your young guys a little bit more. That's my fifth one. Okay. It's funny. Very similar in oh, mine. Great minds I have, a lot, I have a few well, that are similar, too, but I'll, that's part I'll, of it. That's... I'll go through them real quick. Things we learned about the team this past season. You can't hit. You can't hit it. You can catch it. You can pitch it. There is young talent, but will you embrace it? Yes. And loyalty can be a fault. Those are my five takeaways. Wow. I, yeah, that's all part of the conversation. And I know we can get into this. Let's get a, we'll get a break in here after I get through mine because we can get into all these a little more in depth. But for me, one of them, and, and this, is, this is an organizational thing. We hear, and, and you might not agree with me, Bob, because I know we talk about the organization and their, their philosophies. They're not going out there to, to break the bank and spend money. We know that. The, the goal was to get in the playoffs, and they accomplished that from an organizational standpoint. Yeah. The one thing that still frustrates me is talking about fiscal responsibility, yet a lot of dead money on the books this year. Again, by the front office. And at some point, that needs to be accounted for. And I'm talking about Gregerson, Leon, Cecil, Leak, and Sangrani. That, I, I, that still bugs me that they took on somebody else's money to help them get on. That's a lot of dead money. So I don't ever want to hear, from as a fan, I don't ever want to hear fiscal responsibility as the leading factor when, at some point, you got to be accountable for the money you you're wasting. accountable. Uh, I think the DeWitt is cheap narrative should have died a while ago. Yeah. They are top 10 in payroll. And, and is it partially inflated because more teams than ever aren't trying? Sure. But mm-hmm. they're still top 10 in payroll. The argument it needs to shift to 
are you smart in spending your money? And, and that's where things, you know, the Carpenter extension, that was questioned by everyone at the time and doesn't look very good right now. The Fowler five-year contract, you mentioned Brett Cecil and Luke Gregerson. There are questions of, well, you're spending the money, but are you doing it well? They do some things really well, but our old friend Joe Strauss used to say, he used to call it low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit money rarely pays off or has rarely paid off for the Cardinals. Occasionally, but not very often. Yeah. Uh, number four for me was just Colton Wong made me a believer. Because yes. you know what I've talked to you about. I said, I, at the beginning of the year, I said, I think he's too much of a head case. What goes on between his head affects too much. He proved me wrong. He finally put it together. And I'm really excited to see what he can bring next year as he continues to improve his offensive skills. And I just think he can be a true factor in the number two spot with his base running. I, I The fact that he's stealing bases when he's healthy, I mean, He's dealing with the hamstring. I think he just becomes a factor offensively. Number three, I know at times he frustrated us because he didn't have the faith in certain guys that we just spoke about. But Mike Schilt, i got to give the guy credit, is a major league manager. I, this, was a, this is not a good offense, yet he found a way to win 91 games and get them to the championship series. He's got to get credit for that. And, and yeah, man, and, he was good. Yeah. Uh, number two, the Hudson Flaherty situation as well. Uh, Hudson, uh, we talked about this on this show early on. I thought this guy needs to go down, but he found a way. And a guy who wins, what is it, sixteen or seventeen games was as a rookie, phenomenal. And it's only an upside. And the final one, which we can talk about after the break, we still have a group of unproven slash underachieving outfielders yes. on this roster. And we'll get into uh, what those na- – I, I go back to 2013. We'll do that after the break. But it's pretty crazy on how many how many guys they've used in the outfield. And then what is the philosophy for that outfield and filling it out, moving it forward? Hey, you know, uh, earlier today, my wife had forgotten her lunch. Uh-oh. Oh. And that's – oh, yeah, I was happy to take a tour, which meant I got to drive on to the gorgeous – Ursuline Academy campus, Ooh, nice. really, really pretty. And she came out and got her lunch, dropped off. I came on to work. And But what's more important about Ursuline is what goes on inside the walls. And that is the college prep high school where 100% of the graduates go on to attend college. And when they go, they go with, on the average, a full semester of college credit under their belts. That's what's going on there. More importantly, you know, we're always interested in the athletics and it's terrific there, but the well-rounded atmosphere with theater, a nationally ranked robotics team, the service projects, which deals with Servium, the motto for Ursuline Academy, all of those things going on behind the scenes, behind that beautiful campus out front. Telling you that to tell you this, Open House comes up Sunday, November 3rd from noon to 4. It's open to all 5th through 8th graders. If you have a daughter who is starting to think about and maybe getting really ready to make a choice for high school, stop by the Open House at Ursuline Academy. To get more information, check us out at ursulinestl.org. It is 590 Baseball on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. More after this. Five ninety baseball back at it on a Friday. It's twelve thirty. We've got a lot of things yet to get to. I know Bob's got some great questions for the rest of us here in the room. It is uh, the eighteenth of October, two thousand and nineteen. A lot of interesting things happened on this day in uh, playoff history. Let's let's go back to nineteen seventy seven, and a legend was created on this day. Back in 1973, Reggie Jackson was the hero of the last ball game, the seventh game of the World Series against the New York Mets. And Reggie, you've done it again. 
Well, thanks a lot, Ralph. It's, uh, it's a great feeling, and I'm just glad that there are a lot of people that shared along with me. You know, I watched you come into the clubhouse, and you came in rather quietly, took your glasses off, and what was going through your mind at that point must have been tremendously emotional. I was beat. Uh, I was a little afraid of getting off the field. Fans were out there, and it was a struggle, and I wore glasses, and I get to the point where I lose my depth perception, you know, and I was kind of frightened because I don't know where I'm stepping or anything, you know. But uh, I just want to get inside and, and get my breath because I was really tired. And then he got... That was Reggie after the game because of this great feat. Wouldn't you know it, first up to bat for the New York Yankees in this last half of the eighth, Reggie Jackson in the series. He scored nine, driven in, what, seven? Earlier in this series, Reggie said about his manager and the stripes they've known that Billy Martin deserved the Nobel Peace Prize for keeping the peace. Well, this is a hand for Reggie Jackson, Win. I, I wouldn't have guessed it. Since Nobel was the scientist who invented or discovered dynamite, perhaps part of that prize should go to Reggie Jackson. Jackson with four runs batted in and sends a fly ball to center field and deep. That's going to be way back and that's going to be gone. Reggie Jackson is in his third home run of the game. Reggie Jackson becomes the second man in World Series history to hit three home runs in a game. We told you earlier, Babe Ruth did it on two occasions, in 1926 and in 1928. And Jackson just crunched one over the center field wall. That must have been 440 feet or more away. And they want Jackson to come out and take a bow with the Yankees leading 8-3 to three in the eighth inning. So Jackson becomes Mr. October and the legend was created. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On this day, back in 1977. Pretty awesome feat. Very. Now, also on this day, the demise of the 2004 Cardinals started because in the American League Championship Series, the Red Sox started the run as... Dave Martinez gets on, or Dave Roberts, I'm sorry, gets on, steals a base. It was a blown save in that game for ALCS for Mario, Mariano Rivera against the Red Sox. It ended this way after almost five hours. Ortiz in the deep right field. Back is Sheffield. We'll see you later tonight. A five-hour, two-minute game and worth every second of it for the Boston Red Sox. Four huge outs picked up by Leskanek. A leadoff hit by Ramirez, and David Ortiz sends everybody home just over five hours after it began. That started that unbelievable run for the Red Sox as they went on to defeat the Cardinals, but they also just took out the Yankees the rest of that series. An unbelievable Run, I guess that's how you erase a curse, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, one note, as I was going through some some info for that that game, Rivera blew the save. Between 2001 and that particular game, Rivera had blown 7 of 22 saves against the Red Sox alone, which oh. Oh, I did not realize. Yeah, they had his number. That, that was very interesting. One more, 2013, no highlight here, but... Cardinals beat up on Clayton Kershaw again. They win 9 nothing to win the National League Championship Series, where they would again va- advance to the World Series against the Red Sox. Michael Walker had his unbelievable run and finished it off with another shutout win on this day. So that's our This Day in History. Bob, you've got some pretty good stuff you want to get to here. Well, I wanted to... Uh, look, we're going to be talking about most of these things. My guess is into the start of the regular season. So, Brian, you are you and David are our technical experts here. Okay. Because as we've said many times, I'm not going to do the research. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> what are the dates and the significance of the time period in a minor league player not accruing 
full season status like we saw with Chris Bryant and all the hullabaloo that went with him that it's pretty obvious even on even on today on 590 when Mike Schilt was on he was very diplomatic but pretty much told you Carlson's not going to open the season with the Cardinals there are usually about 183 days in a season you earn one year of full service time after 172 per fan graphs so 12 days so 12 days so at least the first first two weeks now that's assuming he has a productive spring training he's healthy he's yeah. healthy and ready to go and you know maybe gets a week week to 10 days if it bats um, at Memphis I would also argue uh, how committed are you to winning? Because two weeks of a season can be a game, can be two games, and we've seen that that's a difference. I'm all, almost always on your side, but so that we have a conversation, I'll put on my Cardinal hat and say, the Cubs were fine. Were they, though? The Cubs win the division in 2015 if they bring up Chris Bryant at the beginning of the year. Thank you. I that knew that would it. be my <laughs> argument. And, and the reason why I'll offer two, two counters – I don't. And maybe you do acquire an outfielder that maybe you could justify it and say, "I'll go big." Hey, we got Mookie Betts in center, so we can justify holding Carlson back and make up some reason about his base running or his fielding that he needs to work on for two weeks at AAA before we bring him up, and then we have a real good, really good outfield. Um, but but my counter would be two. One, I think you are you're, you're not so much shortchanging just your team. I think you're shortchanging the fans and. I think this needs. To, this is more of a macro discussion of why baseball allows this to be a good decision. Because the, the Blue Jays did it with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I hated it. The Cubs did it with Chris Bryant, and it's stupid. And I hate there, it. There's, if there is a rule in your sport that justifies you not having your best guys on your top roster, then that is just, on the surface, a bad rule. My other th- reason would be, and I wonder if this is on the Cardinals' mind or not, is the CBA is going to expire before six years of Carlson comes up and you wouldn't then get to be the benefit of it until year seven. I wonder if this rule changes then. if service time allotment is different by the time it becomes an, you might enjoy the benefit of it. So if that's the case, don't risk it. It'd be better for the game. If they did change. Yes, it would be better for the game. I'll also offer you brought up Chris Bryant, the Cubs. Great example. You know what the Cubs are considering doing this off season trading Chris Bryant. So they're not even going to, they're not even going to utilize all seven years. That's my other point. Mm. It's dumb. You know, you still need to have a little bit of Walt Jockety in the modern yes. age. You don't disregard what the future could bring, but you don't use your analytics forecast as if some soothsayer or seer or some magician planned out exactly what's going to happen. You don't know. You can forecast, hey, we think this player is going to be X, and let's kind of plan in that regard. But to set up everything around a prognostication is foolhardy, especially when the Cardinals have already declared, and they've been doing it for a long, long time now, over 20 years, we we intend to contend every year. Yeah. Um, so I brought all that up to say, okay, all my questions about personal outfield count for like April 15th. You're not allowed to to talk up Carlson, and you're right, Schilt did kind of walk it back a little bit. And, and the interview's up on 5.9thefan.com. Just go to the Press Box Show page and listen to it. Guys were he, terrific with him. He yeah. did walk it back a little bit, but I don't think you're allowed as a front office to, to talk up players like Carlson and say, hey, you know, he's going to be really good. This guy, we think he's a five-tool player. I think Mo has said that about him. And then say, you don't need to go to the Arizona Fall League. You're ready now. Just get ready for 2020. But we don't want to use you to win the World and Series. Then, right. Right, and then say, hey, you know what? Let's just, uh, you like Memphis, right? Why don't you hang out there till right after tax season? And then we'll, we'll, get we'll you. bring you up then. I, so, I would hate that. We'll be ready for hatred and oh. how you're going to deal with it. <laughs> so I have several questions to go, go with that. Who is Tommy Edmond? Is he... Tom Herr, which is a comp that we would all get behind. And I think it's a visually, it's a pretty good comp. I like that. Switch hitter came up. He's probably, if he could pick his best position, it might be second base. Um, can run like her, hits the ball hard, can drive in runs. You know, I think it's that. 
Maybe, though, he's a Billy Goodman. Ancient history on younger folks. Go to your baseball reference. Guy who won a batting title and didn't have an everyday position. Or is he Luis Alisea, a solid guy who never was a star? Can he be Josh Harrison? Or is he, or is he Jose Oquendo, who's really a, a, a really terrific backup? I don't know who he is. I don't think anybody else does. But my thing, I think going into the season, and Mike Schilt talked about it today on 590 The Fan, he's going to play every day somewhere. Yes. So, does that – so, you know you, you're covered if you sign Moustakas. You know you're covered. Which I think you should do. I know you know you're covered if you sign Castellanos. Or who was the outfielder you just brought up a minute ago? Uh, uh, Mookie Betts. Mookie, Mookie Betts. Yeah. You know you're covered in another spot being third base because you know you have four spots absolutely locked in. Shortstop, second base, first base, catcher. We'll talk about catcher in the ensuing weeks. But those are your guys. And then the fifth guy, would everybody agree, Edmund's in the lineup virtually every day. I would think so. Right? Yes. Yes. I like Tommy Edmund. I wouldn't want them to use his presence as an excuse to not go for a major upgrade, though. They better not. Yeah. Which, which I, well, I would hope they don't do that. I, I think what's encouraging about him, when you try to figure out who he is, he hit pretty much his entire time up on the Major League roster, and he hit really good pitching while he was up, too. He, he homered off Scherzer. He was, he was figuring out Kyle Hendricks in that first game against the Cubs. He mm-hmm. homered off Josh yep. Hader in September. So it wasn't just him mashing off, off lackadaisical below-average pitching. He was hitting just about everyone he was facing. I do think his position could be in flux, and maybe it's determined by who you acquire. But would his ceiling be Ben Zobrist or a Josh Harrison? I think that'd be adequate. That I mean, would, it'd be that outstanding would, if he was Zobrist. Adequate would be Harrison. I think it'd be terrific if he were Zobrist. But yeah. again, I go back ancient history to Tom Hur. If he becomes that guy, and, I, and the only reason I bring it up is because he's not a slap hitter, and Zobrist has power. Yeah. You know, uh, the the wheels is the thing that I think is different from those other two cops. Although Harrison can run, but Tom Hur could really run and was smart about it. And a guy who didn't hit 20 home runs, in fact, was it even 10 home runs when he drove in 110 runs? It was under 10. It was like eight, eight or, or nine, nine home yeah. runs. Yep. And he drove in 110 or 100, I forgot, the, over right. 100 runs. I think that's who Tom Tommy could be. But with only a few hundred at bats, they say you don't really know a player until he gets a thousand at bats. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. But all those comps are still pretty good. What I really like about Tommy, if he got Wong, he can't play second. I get that. But I could argue with what we've seen, and it's small. He's the best third baseman you have on this roster right now. He might be the best right fielder you have on this roster right now. And, and you go, well, he never put, well, he played a couple. He's thrown a guy out from the plate. He's run and caught every ball he's needed to catch out in right field. I think he's just so solid defensively. You got to find a place for a guy like that to play, especially if he's hitting enough like he had this year. He's got to find a place to play. I don't know if he can go 500 at bats, but I think he's an everyday player somewhere somehow because of that Tommy Hurd type factor. So do we all agree the Cardinals, and this is what I believe, I want to see if you guys are on board, they do still need to get an outside bat on this team? Yes. I will say absolutely, and I will say if Azuna's not here, you got to get two. I'm assuming Azuna's gone. Okay, so then, I, I, then I think you need two. His Instagram post the other day seemed to be an indication that he knows that he's, right. he's done as a Cardinal. Well, here's, here's my sort of answer to that. Okay. I think you do have an answer internally. Meaning one of your young guys, and I think it's probably Carlson, will be the answer to that second bat. Could be Rosarena. Um, uh, it could be uh, uh, who else am I thinking of? Um, O'Neill. Could be somebody else. Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas. Oh, there's another name. Yep. Um, even even the other Cuban kid, the power hitter. Odolis Garcia. Yeah. Um, I think I think the answer to that second bet could be internal, um, and then um, so I think you'll have a, one new outfielder, one internal new outfielder, and then if you did that, I'd be okay mixing and matching 
with that third spot between Vader and Fowler, O'Neal. You know, if those guys are kind of sharing one spot in the lineup, I could live with that because they're probably hitting seventh or eighth. You know, so if you got Mustakis, uh, Tommy Boy is in one of the outfield spots, every, yeah. you know, except when he's back on the infield, backing up short or second. If you get, if you sign a free agent outfielder to play left field or whatever, then Tommy Boy is your third baseman virtually every day. And then you fill those other two spots. So I think, but I think it's essential and critical. They got to get an outside bat and bring it in. Absolutely, one bat. I don't think you'll have enough. No, you, you you have to have an anchor to help anchor the middle of that lineup, uh, without a doubt. I I mentioned all the outfielders, glutton of outfielders. You, they're unproven or underachieving. If you go back to 2013, I'm going to go through a list, with the exception of Holiday when he was still here and, and producing. Gritchick, Borges, Piscotti, Borges, Bam, Moss, Hazel Baker, Haywood, Jay, and then you go in with. Bader, O'Neill, Orozarena, Martinez, Fowler, Ozuna, Thomas. I just gave you a bunch of whatevers. It scares me that they may continue that trend and go, you know what, we've proven we can be competitive, and we'll just go with all our in-house possibilities. I will that scares say, me. you didn't mention those names. Some of them are gambles. I think Hayward was a gamble that was worth taking, given the circumstances of what was going on. It didn't work. He had a good year, but he, he left after one season. Um I can't remember John Mozeliak, who is – people can complain about his judging a talent on a major league level or you know relievers and overpaying for certain players. I don't recall him ever speaking so glowingly about a single, single player than I do when he talks about Dylan Carlson. He, he, they seem to think he is the guy in, in their mind. Mm-hmm. Even um, – oh, who's Nolan Gorman, he hasn't even spoken as glowingly about him. And That's true. I know that they think the world of him as a third baseman, or at least as a hitting prospect down in the minors. They, and to be fair, in Dylan's defense, everywhere he's gone, he's hit. And he's not only so much hit, but he's shown the ability to take walks. And he seems to be getting yeah, better. He seems to be getting better. He's patient. He drives the ball both sides of the plate. He seems to be at least worthy of more so than Gritchick and Borges, who I think it was another gamble that just did not pay off immediately. I think he just the way they speak of him makes me feel like he's different than Piscotti, Gritchick, even Fam. And so if you sign an outfield bat and Carlson is one of your outfielders, you've got that third spot, and that's where I'd be okay throwing all this these guys up against the wall and seeing what sticks. Could be a play, straight platoon. You could mix and match with three different guys. Yeah. Maybe one guy shines and wins uh, the, that third outfield spot outright. I mean, any of those things are possible. But Carlson needs to perform, and you got to get another at bat uh, or another bat, Castellanos or Mustakas or somebody. I think Mustakas is is the play. I know that he's not. He doesn't move the needle. He's Would you not hit him third down. or fourth? I'd hit him third. I ah boy. I'd hit him third. And then Goldschmidt fourth. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. And I bring that up because position-wise, he fits. he's a perfect match. He yep. was, uh, of the 284 hitters who had 100 plate appearances that ended with a changeup, a curveball, or a slider, the three pitches that completely gave you issues the entire season, not even the NLCS, the whole year, the Cardinals, as a, as a team, are towards the bottom of slugging percentage. Third base, they were last in slugging percentage. Matt Carpenter, out of 284 players, was 283 in baseball, slugging percentage against those three pitches. Moustakis was 11th. Over the last three seasons, slugging percentage against those pitches, he's fourth. He's behind Trout, Blackman, and Puig. He hits the pitches that you couldn't hit as a team. The uh, conspicuous by his absence in talking about what the Cardinals need in the bat is Matt Carpenter's name, and uh, that's by design. I was... A little disappointed when Mike Schilt, who was on on the air an hour or so ago, talked about Carp and almost like he's going to have a shot to be the third baseman. I hope that is Mike just being loyalty loyal to a Cardinal, to a longtime Cardinal who everybody likes and they know puts the work in. I think the conversation with him has to be 
Make sure you work on your first baseman skills because you're our backup at third and first. I, de- I can't see – everyone's talked about, well, what if he ends up in left field? I just can't see that with all the other outfield. He doesn't outfield. have a good arm. No, and all the other outfield cool. people you have, he doesn't run well. No. Right. So, and if he's willing to accept that, then I think it could be a positive. But I – look, folks, the last 12 months of base, last 12 in-season months of baseball, so the last two full seasons, he's been terrific three of the 12 months. Yes. Meaning, nine of the 12 months, he's not been okay. He's not been decent. He's been terrible. He knows it. I'm not saying that to rip on the guy. He's been a terrific Cardinal. I like the guy. But those are the facts. Yes. 75% of the time in the last two seasons, Matt's been terrible. So to think or to hang your hat on those three months that he was great, I just don't think it makes sense. Now, if he stays on your team and things happen and he starts to get at bats and somehow the magic returns, you always find a place for people who are playing great, right? Yes. But to go in with that as a plan, and again, I don't think they are. I think it was Mike Schilt just being a nice Loyal person. And, and to be fair, the player we're discussing of uh, Mike Moustakas technically isn't a free agent. There's a mutual option. So yeah. He needs to say, I, I want to hit the market. Right. So maybe that's also part of the, the discussion. Yeah. So now the other thing becomes, what if you sign an outfielder? Does Carp go in sharing some of the third base stuff? Well, maybe, but he's got to perform. If he doesn't hit, you he can't You can't play. keep putting him out there if he doesn't hit. So if you sign an outfielder, and Edmund wants to split time at third with him and then play another outfield spot, you probably could live with that if Carp pr- produces. He's got to produce. Yeah, the, the 212 isn't going to get it done, he, unless he's hitting 36 home runs, but he's not. And he's in, not my view, Go ahead. in my view, he's got to play. He's got to have the approach that Colton Wong has. Use the whole field. I mean, use the whole field. When you get a ball to turn on, fine. But all winter, he has got to work hitting the pitch away, away. You can't roll over on the outside pitch anymore. You're not strong enough to drive that by and large. He's got to embrace that or we got real problems. Agreed, 100%. Did you have a one other um, one? B- b- internal mix and match, outside bat. Um, that's most of it. Okay, good. I we got uh, a little less than five minutes or so here. So, American League Championship Series. The Astros, I said this to you, the Astros are doing what they do now. Mm-hmm. They, they've taken this series over. I really believe that the Yankees could have competed. I thought they would get back to Yankee Stadium, use their bullpen, mix and match and make it work. That ship sailed. I am wrong a lot, so when I'm right, I feel the need. No to, one would say that to your face. I no. feel the need to pat myself on the back, and, and, I, and I said... I think with you, you that the key for the Yankees is don't let your starters face the lineup a second time. And the first time Tanaka last night faces Springer a second time, what happens? Home run. Yep. Uh, the Astros are, and uh, like what the Nationals were to the Cardinals, like a kryptonite, I seriously think the Astros are that to Washington because they just make contact. They don't strike out. They put the ball in play, and they make solid contact. They are... They are such a fun team to watch. They're really good. They are just they are something else. Here's another thing that struck me last night in strategy-wise. Talk about their big three. A.J. Hinch wasn't afraid to go, hey, Granky, you're done. It's four and a third. Right. I got a key spot. Preston's going to come in, in here and, and take care of business. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Mm-hmm. There are not many managers that would have went out and got Granky out of that game. No, and what's weird is, and I'm glad he did, from the Yankees' standpoint, what I can't understand is why, and I, and I get that he's a big bat, but if he can't play, Stanton cannot be on the roster. He hasn't played now the last three games in this series. When you have players like Luke Voigt waiting, who can take at-bats today. I, I don't quite understand what New York is waiting for in this regard, because now I feel like it's too late. I understand if they really thought it was truly day-to-day with the quad. If they really thought that, Stanton's better than Voigt, period. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. But not if he can't play. And so my the only thing that I can think that is logical is they really thought that it was day-to-day. Well, it's proven not to be, and it's proven to be a mistake in their evaluation. 
think we're all in agreement Astros are going to roll and, and get to the series. So before we get our next show next Friday, we will have the series starting. Nationals swept the Cardinals, the last team to sweep a championship series and win the World Series, and 95 Braves over the Cleveland Indians. Prior to, or since then, 2006, the Tigers swept and lost to the Cardinals 4-1. to one. Rockies swept the Diamondbacks, lost to the Reds 4 to nothing. Tigers swept the Yankees, lost to the Giants 4 to nothing. Royals sweep the Orioles in 2014, lost 4-3. to three. And then 2015, Mets swept the Cubs. They lose 4-1 to to Kansas City. they all lost game one of their series, too. So they all got off to rough starts. It's it's just circumstantial, but it's a lot of circumstances. That's exactly why I brought it up. It's a whole lot of them. You know, you would never want to take away from the winner and say, well, you won because they lost their edge sitting out. That's not fair, but there is a lot of evidence to support the layoff does not favor the other team. And, and I'm going off the top of my head right now, but some of the instances the opposing team had a long LCS. So the Cardinals oh, so yeah. right. went seven. The Red Sox, 07, went seven. The Giants, 2012, went seven. I think the Royals went six before they beat um, the Mets. So if you were managers, you guys are the managers now, what do you do while you're waiting? I Do you do simulated games? I don't know how you try to... How you try to keep them? I don't fresh. know either. I'm not I don't sure think it's even possible to, to try and keep yeah. your edge, knowing that game You're one. Just practicing. Yeah, yeah, you just keep. You just do what you do. Go out and work out because there's no way to simulate that in game one. You're going to get Garrett Cole. Sorry, just, <laughs> you just can't. You, it's impossible to do. It really and, is. I mean, part of the issue is for pitching. I mean, you want Scherzer resting. You want Strasburg resting. Mm-hmm. So how do you? How do you keep them, quote-unquote, fresh for the next week and a half before mm-hmm. they have to pitch again? It's a lot of, a lot of questions yeah. moving forward, and that'll be before our next show. Hey, let me mention my friends at Royal Banks of Missouri. You know, they have checking accounts that allow you, you to choose your free rewards, not like the old days where you'd get a, uh, a high hello and a toaster maybe. No, these are the days when you sign up for a new checking account at Royal Banks, you can get better interest rate on your money. You can get shopping credits with Apple and Google and Amazon. You know there's no monthly service charges at Royal Banks. And to qualify, all you have to do is do the things you are doing or probably should be doing anyway. 15 monthly debit card purchases, two automatic monthly payments from your account every month, accept your monthly statement electronically. This is just what we all do. So why not make it work for you with Royal Banks of Missouri, your full-service bank with 11 neighborhood locations. It's Royal Banks of Missouri, where better service means better banking. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. That is going to do it for us. Up next, it's the Cam Jansen Show, live from Top Shooters. Guys, enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back at it next Friday. Can't wait. All right. 590 Baseball wrapping up here on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Everyone have a great weekend.